Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office Equipment Solutions North America wide. Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. It is Brendan Escott in today. Bob Stoffer joining us from Buffalo. Remind you, you can uh, keep in touch on the Heartland Ford text line 630-630. They're not your small-town dealership with a huge new state-of-the-art facility. Experience the difference of Heartland Ford. So, Bob, we're just waiting to get Elliot on the line here. Um, Definitely got to just check in and, and reinforce the fact, I think, that this is just what happens when changes occur, especially at the top level of an organization. That's fair to say? Well, when it... You know what? When people come in with the pedigree of a Ken Holland or a Dave Tippett, they're going to want their people. And I mean, you know, it's interesting. Last year, the Oilers changed out their coaching staff. Ian Herbers was on a three-year leave from the University of Alberta, so that you know he always had that opportunity to uh, to return there. Uh, so his contract was not renewed. Jim Johnson was fired. Uh, Herbers didn't get his contract extended. There, you know, Jay Woodcroft. Uh, was moved to the American Hockey League and got a chance to run his own show and did a terrific job. And, uh, you know, it's been out there and it's been our belief all along that Jay was going to stay uh, in Edmonton. I mean, a lot of people said, well, Jay's going to go with Todd McClellan in L.A. Marco Sturm is in L.A. Uh, the Kings are looking for a uh, defense coach, which is where Trent Yanni's now going to be, uh, you know, get a lot of play uh, with the Los Angeles Kings. They're also looking for another assistant with maybe some expertise on the power play. So uh, keep that in mind moving forward. And it's my belief they're looking at two couple guys from the West on that one. So I think we've got Elliot as well. Elliot, how are you doing? Hello? Elliot, hey, Elliot you're there. It's Bob. And uh, it's, it's Brendan. How are you, Elliot? Uh, sorry about that. I was uh, I was just sending a text. I said, uh, I hear Bob talking. I've got 30 seconds to to go because he's going to throw it on and on, and you, you cut yourself short. Uh, you surprised me. <laughs> well, uh, a lot of people would say, Elliot, more of you and less of me on this show is a good thing. Very <laughs> no quickly. No one says that. What's up, Big? This, this, this is this is the business when changes get made with general managers and with head coaches, yeah. isn't it? I mean, they, they do want to bring in their own people. Yeah, and you know, I think that everyone could have told you this was probably going to happen back in April, right? Like almost uh, seven weeks ago. But you have to go through a process, and I don't think anyone's surprised. I, I think we all believe that Jim Playfair was going to be coming in uh, to work on the D with uh, with um, Dave Tippett. And so I don't think anyone is surprised about Trignani, although I think Trignani will land on his feet. He's got a good reputation. And uh, I think he's going to be okay. Um, you know, I just saw your tweet a couple of seconds ago. Viveros, you're right. I'm betting a lot of uh, junior teams come calling, uh, but depending on what he wants to do. And it's interesting about Gullison. I, you know, I, I there were some rumblings the other day that he might end up staying. We'll see. We'll see where this works out. Yeah. Well, I, there, you know, and 
There's been a, a couple storylines. I mean, there, there's one I want to I want to just keep down the path uh, regarding Jim Playfair because um, you know he headed up the penalty killing with Dave Tippett in in Arizona, and we discussed this when Dave was hired. I, I mean, I was it always befuddled me how Arizona struggled the way they did, Elliot, on the PK because they were so good in the faceoff circle. Um, because penalty killing is one of the areas the Oilers have to dramatically improve moving forward. So. Do you, are you a believer that smart coaches, if they take a year or two away, can get better because of the opportunity well, uh, to, way, to do I, I some think, different I things? Think, I think, Bob, that smart people are always looking to get better. Like, you could be number one in the in the penalty kill, and you can still say, oh, I can get better. So, yes, I, I absolutely believe that. And I would suspect that Tippett and whoever might be joining them has been doing a lot of work and prep on Edmonton ever since Kenny Holland was hired, and there, you know, there were reports back then that Tippett might be the coach at Edmonton. So I think they've been doing their research. Now I will say this, Bob. I think you can't have good penalty killing without good goaltending. How many yep. times have you heard your most important penalty killer is your goalie? So you could be the best coach in the world. But if you're not getting good goaltending, you can't save your penalty kill. Or anything else, for that matter. Do you guys think that there's a need to bring in somebody else to fill the Manny Viveros role? Or can you foresee a situation for the Oilers where they do just bring in Jim Playfair, have Gullitz and Tippett Playfair on the bench, and they're content with that? I guess it's always possible. I think, Bob, like, don't you think people like Eyes in the Sky? Oh, I I think slam dunk they're going to bring in another coach. I, I you know, I know we've mentioned Mark Lamb before. Mark's got a pretty unique situation up in Prince George, uh, but you know the NHL is an intoxicating business, and when you get that lifestyle, and I you know I benefit from that. I mean, Jack Michaels and myself are here in Buffalo, but we're the only two media guys in Edmonton that are on every team flight, and you know what they call the NHL, the Never Hungry League. Like it is an intoxicating <laughs> league to be a part of. You're at the top. You're you know, you're flying around. You're staying in four and five star hotel, five star hotels, and you're on. You know, you're on a 57 seat uh, retrofitted A320 with first class. Like it's, it beats the heck out of driving from Prince George uh, down into Vancouver for a pair of games on the weekend. So uh, there, there's, you know, I, I don't know about you, Elliot. Uh, there's probably 1,500 coaches around Canada that love the opportunity to be the eye in the sky. Uh, and work in the, uh, work in the NHL. So uh, I think they're going to hire another assistant, and I think they need to hire another assistant. Frankly, forget that, Bob. After listening to that, I think I want to apply for your job. Oh, it's uh, now might be a good time, my friend. Now might be a good time. <laughs> So, Elliot, uh, the Ducks, uh, you, I think it was there. that broke the list of their their uh, interview candidates, and it was a lot of names that we've talked about here on this show, Todd Nelson, Lane Lambert, uh, Dallas Aikens, yeah. of course. Is any movement there? I, I think they're going to be doing some interviews. I think the other guy there, and I, I don't know if they have reached out to him directly, but I've heard, I've heard Anaheim does have permission to talk to Rick Bonus in Dallas. Um you know, Rick, when they hired Randy Carlisle, the three finalists were Carlisle, Travis Green, and Rick Bonus. Um, and, you know, Green obviously went to Vancouver the next year. So I would not count out Bonus as a possibility in all this. Um, this, to me, is a really fascinating, fascinating mm-hmm. situation. I don't know what to make of it. Um, you know, John Shannon tweeted this week that ownership wanted uh, Green, uh, Green, 
ownership wanted Aikens and Bob Murray wasn't so much. That is apparently the truth. I, I think John is, is right about that. I'm really curious to see where this goes. I have to think that Aikens is still most likely to get it, but it's definitely not a slam dunk. That's for sure. Um, it's going to be fascinating to see you know, where, that, where that situation continues. Well, one of the reasons why it's not a slam dunk, Elliot, I mean, you know, Dallas has been very, uh, I actually think Dallas has been hypercritical of himself in a, a piece written by Eric Stevens, uh, another piece written by Mark Spector from Sportsnet in terms of the evaluation as to his overall performance in Edmonton. Uh, and, and believe yeah, me, you know, I Bob, say that. I don't, I don't, I don't take that. I don't take that as a negative. Like, I, I you know, I, I think that, you know, when when you're asked those questions, if you say anything less than that, you get picked yeah. apart pretty good. And and you know what? Like, it goes back to what we said earlier. I think if you're a good coach or just a smart, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, you, no, and Dallas is a I, smart guy, you're always looking at things. I'll tell you something else too. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, they asked to talk to Rocky Thompson. Speaking of Edmonton connections, uh, apparently uh, last year the Islanders asked to speak to Rocky Thompson to be an assistant with Barry Trotz, and Vegas said no. They were not letting him talk to be an assistant to the NHL. But I wouldn't be surprised if they asked to speak to Rocky Thompson, too. I guess what I was going to say was, Elliot, there was roster construction issues for Dallas when he was here. And believe me, of the coaches that have been in Edmonton over the last 11 years that I've worked with on this show, the coach that I've been the most critical of was probably Dallas. But I actually thought he was too critical of himself in terms of his evaluation of his work at Edmonton. Just the one thing I was going to bring up, just regarding San Diego for a second here, they finished yep. three and se- they were three and seven last year. And they missed the playoffs at the end of the season. Yeah. And, you know, they they were very close. They they were, uh, you know, they ended up getting in, but they went uh, four and six in their final ten games and almost got caught by Tucson. And so, yeah. you know, my perception was he was absolutely slotted in the perfect place to be the next coach of the Anaheim Ducks. But, you know, I, I, you know, if you're sitting there and you're Bob Murray going, well, you know, the team didn't exactly knock it out of the park down the stretch. So perhaps it's somewhat understandable. The whole situation with the Samuelis, uh, was it, uh, it's a matter of public record. Is his daughter not running, Henry Samueli, not running the San Diego uh, Gulls right now? Yeah, she, she's very involved, yes. Yeah, she has a yes. So that's, a, that's an interesting one uh, for us. All right, Elliot, I'm gonna, we're going to switch it here for a second. We're going to get off the... Uh, the coaching front a bit um, mm-hmm. on to the Stanley Cup final between St. Louis and Boston. Is anything going on with Patrice Bergeron? Well, I'm, I'm actually watching the Bruins practice right now, and he's not out on the ice. Um, he looked like he was definitely hurting at the end of game number two. Uh, and, uh, you know, he's apparently been bothered by a groin problem. Um, and although some people were kind of wondering if maybe he hurt his shoulder or something like that last game. Um, you know, he certainly didn't look like himself, and he took a big lap right before the overtime to see if he could get himself stretched out. I mean, I would assume he's going to play, um, but, you know, health is going to be a big part of this series. We know Grizzlick's out. That's why Sunquist suspended. Tarasenko didn't practice today. Uh, Schwartz left practice after a little while today. You know, these are two teams that play hard hockey, and they played hard hockey. And uh, health is going to be a big factor. Do you know 
And at this time of year, nobody's 100%. Nobody. Not a soul. But I, I do think attrition is going to be a factor in the remainder of this series. Do you think, like, how big uh, was the it for St. Louis to be able to win in that hostile Boston environment and now to be able to go back with the series tied and, and the St. Louis fans have been as raucous as ever, but just to be able to win in such that hostile environment, Elliot, was a big deal, wasn't it? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, if you're St. Louis and you want to win the Stanley Cup, you got to win once on the road, right? you want to have home ice advantage. They, I, you know, I'll tell you this. St. Louis is probably kicking themselves. They're not up 2 nothing. That, that first game was winnable for them, too. I think the thing that really struck me at the end of the other game was just how much in control they were. Um, you know, in overtime, I think overtime lasted under four minutes. They had the puck in the Boston zone for 75% of it, including a long time on that shift before they scored the winning goal. Uh, you know, a lot of that was Grizzlick. I think that uh, I think John Moore is probably going to play tomorrow. Uh, you know, I, I just think that if you're the Blues and, and they're coming into a wild building tomorrow night, like... Kelly Rudy was telling me this morning that in the first practice, Bob Flager, you know, the great St. Louis player, was 76 years old, he was walking around the building helping them hand, hand out some of the rally towels or place some of the rally towels for tomorrow night. Like, this building is going to be crazy. First Stanley Cup game since 1970. Um, it's going to be a gong show in here, and you know the team's going to be riled up. Uh, crazier than what we saw out of Toronto last night, Elliot? That was really something. You know, I, I went last Saturday to game six against Milwaukee. And when Leonard dunked over uh, Giannis, the star player from uh, Milwaukee, that's probably the loudest crowd I ever heard. Um, you know, I, that was that was really something. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'm happy for a lot of people. I, you know, as you guys know, I covered basketball when I started. There's a lot of people who work for the Raptors or uh, are fans of the Raptors who've been kicked pretty hard a lot over 24 years. They've suffered brutal losses. They've had players fail on them. You know, I had really mixed emotions of watching some of those players honored before their first game last night because some of those guys really bailed on the franchise. Um, you know, I'm, I'm happy for those people, I think. And to me, like the whole hockey versus basketball thing, it's like two 14-year-olds in high school arguing who's more popular. It's a stupid argument. There's room for both. If you enjoy sports, you enjoy this. And to me, that's it. Uh, Elliot, uh, rumors breaking yesterday that Nikita Zaitsev is likely on his way out the door in Toronto. Uh, Jake Gardner, I don't imagine, will be back. So w what is the Maple Leafs defensive unit going to look like next year? Does this mean that they feel some of their young guys, like Lilligren, for example, are ready to go? Well, you know, I, first of all, I hope it's more than rumors because I reported it. So if it's just rumors, I'm going to look like a big idiot. <laughs> um, you know, it, it's, you know, Dubas confirmed it, that they're trying to move. Zaitsev asked for a trade. And they're going to try to make it work. I think he just got tired of being kind of like the market's uh, scapegoat. And I think he just would like to start fresh somewhere else. You know, I know he's got five years left at $4.5 million. I think they're going to be able to find someone to take him. It'll be interesting to see how it works out. But there's always interest in right shot D. And I think that guy is a better player than he showed last year. Um, you know, but I think you ask a really good question there. Um I don't think Lilligan's ready. Like the story I heard on Lilligan this year was when they made the Muzzin deal with LA, they offered Lilligan to the Kings, and the Kings said no. They weren't interested in him. They preferred Jersey, the prospect who played for Guelph in the Memorial Cup. But I heard 
But, you know, to me, it's, it's ridiculous to give up on a kid that young. I heard he played much better second half of the season, but I don't think they think he's ready. Sandine was their first-round pick last year. He played really well in the AHL this year, but I think they even doubt he's ready. I, I think that's a great question right now, Brennan. Dermot's definitely going to play more. Um, they've got to find some right-hand shots. But, you know, Gardner, I think they'd love to have him back. I just don't know if it's possible. Uh, he'd have to accept a lot less money than he could make on the open market. Um, but I think right now it's going to be pretty interesting to see how that defense is going to look. And I think we'd be guessing right now, pending moves as to what it will be. Elliot, Pierre Lebrun tweeted out this morning about two hours ago that um, yeah, Marlo. the Leafs and the King, Patrick Marlowe, your take on that. Uh, you know, the way Pierre wrote it and the sense I've gotten is that it's been discussed, but it's not likely. Um you know, I think if the Kings were going to do that, they'd want Toronto to take a contract back, whether it's Kovalchuk or something else. And Toronto, I just don't think, uh, yeah, and I, I can't see them doing it. Uh, you know, I I just can't see Toronto doing that right now. They've got, um, you know, Marlowe, for all the issues you might feel about his contract, he's only got one more year on it. And, you know, I think Toronto would love to be out of some salary cap issues. Trading him would certainly help that, but... You know, trading for more term of Kovalchuk or Phaneuf, it doesn't make a lot of sense. We've got time for one more here, Elliot. I want to ask you about Brock Besser. Uh, I read today that they are not close on re-signing as he's a restricted free agent with Vancouver. Uh, immediately, I wonder how much of the, the William Nylander effect, if you will, is going to factor in here. But uh, can you foresee, is this going to be a bridge deal, a long-term deal? What are you hearing there? Well, if I was Vancouver, I wouldn't want to do a bridge deal. I, I just think that what we're seeing right now is um, with guys who can score, those deals, they never become less. Like, you know, if, like, remember, like, look at, remember um, when you guys signed Hall and Eberly and Nugent Hopkins and everybody ripped those deals? Well, history proves that was the right way to go. And you look at two years ago, guys like Shifley and McKinnon and Goudreau and got big deals, and people were like, wow, those are big deals. And now, you know, those people that we've blown past that. I don't think for guys who can score, you're ever doing a bad job and doing it with terms. My my bet is that, you know, first of all, so there's a bit of a roadblock because of Yespa and Nylander and a lot of these guys haven't signed. My guess is they get them signed for term, and it comes in and starts with a seven. And All I right, think I, if, you're, I, if you're Vancouver, I think it's smart to lock them in and take chances. That number is going to be even higher in two years. Sorry for cutting in there. Just, Brendan, very quickly, one more. Just on Mitch Marner, Elliot, yeah. uh, the criticism that the Oilers received eight times eight and a half on Leon Dreisaitl, only player in the league this year, 50 goals, 100 points. What's Marner going to get? I think he's probably going to get more than that. Well, it's a slam dunk. He's gonna is he gonna get ten or eleven million a year? I think it depends on if he if there's an offer sheet. I don't think Toronto wants to go there. Interesting stuff. All right, guys, uh, I appreciate you taking the time out of your days for the roundtable. Enjoy the weekend. Plenty <laughs> of hockey stories brewing. I am sure. Enjoy the chicken. See you later, Brandon. Take care, Brandon. See you later. Guys. See you, Elliot. That was uh, Elliot Friedman from St. Louis, Bob Stoffer from Buffalo, Brendan Escott here at the 630 Ched Studios. We'll press pause back with NHL Today for elite promotional marketing. 
12.56 in Edmonton. It is Brendan Escott in the hot seat here on Oilers Now. Uh, Gotta remind you that some guests on Oilers Now receive gift certificates to Ruth's Chris Steakhouse. Ruth's Chris, it is the greatest steak you've ever had. Follow the sizzle to 99.90 Jasper Avenue. Tell Maggie and the staff that Oilers Now sent you. So you heard it there. Uh, Bob uh, joining us from Buffalo. Elliot checking in as well. We're going to get more into draft prospects with the Athletics' Corey Pronman coming up at 105. That's following a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.